Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning as we get started. Amen. Good to see everybody here. Just got a few announcements we want to go ahead and take care of before we start service. I just want to welcome everyone to CFC. If this is your first time here, just raise your hand. We want to say hello. Let me see if y'all awake. If you've been here before, raise your hand. Okay, everybody's awake. I wasn't sure. Y'all kind of had that blank stare on your face for a moment there. Amen. If you're watching the first time online, we want to say welcome. Glad you decided to spend your Sunday mornings with us online there. Uh, those that are regulars on Sunday mornings, we're glad to still have you there. Amen. Just want to remind you how you can stay connected with Christian Fellowship Church uh, on, via social media. Uh, those of you here in your bulletins, you'll see this uh, image there. You take your cell phone and then put on your camera in your bulletin and you scan that and it'll bring you to uh, a page that'll have quick access to all these three, uh, three six things. Uh, we have a web church website that you can go to, Facebook. Uh, Facebook, we stay up to date where you're watching live right now. Uh, prayer requests uh, and prayer wall. Let me just pause here for the, the difference between prayer requests and prayer wall. Uh, they're both on our uh, CFC website, where it's welcome to CFC.com. But if you go to prayer requests, what it'll do, it'll uh, send everyone on the prayer team an email, and it stays private just between the uh, prayer team. But the prayer wall uh, is actually posted online that, you know, if it's, if, it's, if it's something personal, then don't put down all the, uh, those details, but if you want prayer, more people could pray for you. Uh, whoever goes to that page could actually begin praying for you. It's not limited to just the prayer team. So, um, and then you could listen to sermons online. You could give online multiple different ways, and we also have a YouTube channel. So uh, we ask that you go uh, subscribe to all those things and click like and share everything we have there. Amen? Okay, so like I said, uh, it, in your bulletin, you should have that right there, and that's the easiest way to take your camera, scan it right there, and it'll, it'll ask you to open up in your browser, as long as you have Wi-Fi or anything like that. So next, uh, we want to just mention that uh, New uh, Generations Children's Church will be premiering their Sunday morning service tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Uh, on their uh, Facebook page. So if your children weren't able to make it today, tomorrow night, uh, have them tune in at 7 p.m. and they can watch the service there. Also, my sister's heart's uh, book club will be meeting tomorrow night uh, at 5.30 in the cafe here from 5.30 to 8 p.m. to discuss their book. And then I think they actually uh, announce what the book is for the next month that they can read. So if you're interested in it, uh, you could show up, even if you didn't read the book of last month, but you want to get ready for next month's one, uh, show up uh, tomorrow from 5.30 to 8 p.m. in the church cafe. Uh, also, I want to announce that our next water baptism service will be Wednesday, March 31st. That's not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. So if you want to be water baptized, uh, we ask that you fill out a form there in the, in the foyer. Uh, again, uh, if you've already filled out a form in the past and with COVID and things, things got canceled, we want you to fill out a new form and turn it in so we know you're there. Uh, we got some forms that are like a year old right now waiting that uh, things didn't work out. So uh, fill out a new form and uh, be there to, uh, Wednesday, March 31st, 7 p.m. in here, change of clothes. And then following the following Wednesday, April 7th, we will be uh, starting up our regular Wednesday evening services where we'll have uh, prayer for adults, uh, a kids club in the back, and also uh, youth. 
So on April 7th, our Wednesday nights will go back to uh, regular schedules there. Just want to wish anyone having a happy a birthday between now and next Sunday. Happy birthday. Anyone in here? Between now and next Sunday? Birthday? All right. Happy birthday. How old are you going to be? Eight? All right. Let's tell her happy birthday. All right. Happy birthday. Dawn, you're having a birthday? Happy. You're going to be eight also? Oh, hey. All right. Dawn, happy birthday. <laughs> Amen. Anyone else? All right, anyone online, if you're having a birthday between now and next uh, week, just comment in the uh, thing, and we want to wish you a happy birthday. Anyone having an anniversary between now and next Sunday? Going once, going twice. All right, anyone online, again, if you're having an anniversary, happy anniversary to you, mark down in the comments so everyone can tell you happy anniversary. So we're gonna, this morning we're going to receive our tithe and offerings, and before we do, I just want to share different ways you could give. Uh, so if you want to give that you're not here, you could mail it in uh, through regular mail to Christian Fellowship Church, Post Office Box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana, 70373. Or you could give online at uh, www.welcometocfc.com and it's online secure giving. Or those of you who know how to give by phone, uh, you could give text to give. Again, I always say this, instead of me trying to explain it to you how to give, ask your children and grandchildren. They'll get it for you, all right? So I so, uh, also want to mention that we are collecting for a, a new uh, air condition in Children's Church. Uh, they have two air conditions. One of them's out. Someone's going to uh, install it for $4,600, brand new unit. Uh, we're collecting. We collected about 1700 so far. So if you just want to help out and give a little bit for that, you're more than welcome to. Uh, so uh, they're just marked down uh, AC on, on uh, whatever you want to give. Online also, we have a drop-down uh, thing that has for new air condition. So we just want to encourage you. If you want to give a little bit of that stimulus, right, if the government stimulated you and you want to stimulate some AC back there, go ahead. Amen, amen. All right, just in case you were wondering where you were going to spend it, uh, we could help you out there. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we just read our scriptures for this week, for our giving. We're reading from the Good News Translation this year for our offerings. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says, Give to others and God will give to you. Indeed, you will receive a full measure, a generous helping, poured into your hands all that you can hold. The measure you use for others is the one that God will use for you. And 2 Corinthians 9, 7, and 8 says, You should each give then as you have decided, not with regret or out of sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. And God is able to give you more than you need so that you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. So take the offering, hold it in your right hand, and repeat after me. Say, as I give in today's offering, I believe that God desires to give me seed to sow and to multiply my harvest. I believe that in God all things are possible and at any time in any environment. By faith, I receive today all that God desires to release in and through my hands to extend His kingdom. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do as Alyssa uh, begins playing, uh, just, we've got three baskets along the front. Just make your way and drop your offering in a basket. Worship the Lord this morning. Okay. What are the rest that you ready for? For another cup of coffee? Come on, let's stand to our feet as we get ready to worship this morning. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Come on. Our call to worship for this month is uh, from the message uh, paraphrase. Psalms 34 verses 1 and 2 says, I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with his praise. I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. We jump down to verse 8. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens up the doors to all his goodness. Father, we just come to you right now, and I turn this entire service over to you right now, Father God. I pray that your spirit would move through this place, Father God, that it would touch the lives and hearts of everyone in the sound of my voice this morning, Father. Father, we lift up this worship team, Father God. I pray that every note that is played, every word that is sung be anointed by your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone shouts, Amen, amen. Let's put our hands together and worship. I'm standing at your door. My heart is calling yours. Come falling to
that he's here today. He's walking up and down each and every aisle. In between each and every pew. He's here today to bring healing. God is here. God is in this place. Don't let him pass you by.
Just to be in your presence, 
just reach up your hands and touch him. He's here. Oh, he is
He deserves a better hand clap of praise than that. Come on, give him the best praise you got this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You could be seated. We want to dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, to their class this morning. I want to ask if you did not get your notes for this morning, I want to strongly encourage that you go in the back and pick them up right now. Uh, uh, very important topic we're talking about today and uh you know the bible says to study to show thyself approved and uh so get your bible out get ready to take notes if you don't have an ink pen look around we got some in the back get you one because i believe this will uh i know this will help you today amen how many of the, how many of you here to hear from the lord today what the lord has to say different things in your life amen how many of you want to get set free from some things in your life amen amen so we're gonna uh, uh begin today uh, this is called the battle of the mind untitled this message and uh, we'll just go to the lord in prayer as we get started so let's just pray dear heavenly father i just come to you today 
I thank you for each and every one that's in the sound of my voice right now, whether they be in this building or online. Father, I just pray for each and every one of us, Father God, that our spiritual eyes could be open today, that we could see the truth of your word. Father, that our spiritual ears be open, that we could hear the truths, spiritual truths of your word this morning. Father, touch our minds that we're able to comprehend your word this morning, Father God. Open our minds to your spirit, Lord. And most of all, prepare each and every heart to receive your word this morning, Father. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen, amen, <coughs> amen. The battlefield of the mind, uh, what I want to th- talk about today, and, and if you notice our, our uh, image is a game of chess. How many of you ever played chess? It's been a long time since I have, but chess is a game of strategy where move, not only are you strategizing to ca- capture their king, they're strategizing to ca- capture yours, and so you're coming up with a strategy, but you also want to be aware of their strategy, what they're trying to do. And how many of you know that the enemy, you have an enemy, and he has a strategy against you? Can I tell you that God reveals the enemy's strategy in his word to us? And that's what I want to help share with you today, and hopefully you can understand and get a hold of this. How many of you know that if you know what the, en- the way the enemy works, it's a lot easier. If you, if you know that, if you, like in football, if you know the other teams play what they're going to do, it's a lot easier to stop it. Amen. So here's my question to you this morning. Through life, through your whole life, uh, don't point at nobody now. Okay, I got to warn you. Have you ever known someone that had trouble telling the truth? Right? It, it's okay to admit that, you know, that when they would, especially like addicts, you know, addicts are very good at telling lies to manipulate people and things. And in life, you, there are people that you'd probably still today, if they tell you something, you may go, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to, uh, you know, grab onto that. And, and you see, we have a natural ability to kind of sense out a lie. But this is where, where I'm turning it. We, we know when someone who is a liar that constantly lies, tells us things. We, we hold off and we don't buy into it right away. But I want to let you know that why this is spiritual. Because the father of all lies lies to us all the time and we believe him too many times. You see, Satan's playing chess with us, but we're playing checkers. We're a step behind. We're not even on the same page. And we have to understand the way he works is the way he lies to us. And I love the first song that when we sang that line uh, where God saying, I dare you to believe me. I dare you to believe me. Think, and, and again, this is why you could see it's spiritual. We know a person on earth we don't trust because they lie. We know God doesn't lie at all. But yet sometimes we doubt him. We know the father of all lies, Satan, and a lot of times we believe him and we know that's all he does is lie. Tell me that's not a spiritual battle going on. Right? So let's, let's look quickly at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 12. And this is what it tells us. Finally, be strong 
in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay, so I want you to circle that on your page right there. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Not in our strength, not in our abilities. The Bible talks about not by might nor power, speaking of your own ability, but by his spirit. God's spirit living in you. And we're going to come back to this later today. We're going to see, this is going to be a whole bunch of scriptures that are going to fit together like a puzzle. Hopefully I could get it to fit together like a puzzle so you could see and understand what we're talking about here. Be strong in uh, his mighty power. And then verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what? The devil's schemes. And he says, what's a scheme? It's a move. What, what is he? He's, he's getting ready to move his chess piece so that you could take a stand, be aware, knowing what he's going to do, uh, how he's going to move against you. So he says this, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Okay, it's not against people, but that he uses people. But the real thing is a spiritual battle going on. Okay, it's a spiritual battle going on. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against, circle that next word, authorities. And against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I told you to circle the word authorities. Authorities there means someone that has a legal ground to be there. Now, the best way I could start this is I want to take us back to original sin. What happened in the garden. That's what I love. The first three chapters of the Bible are, are got to be my favorite. Uh, you, you could glean so much from it. See, Satan's, what Satan done to Adam and Eve is still what he does to us. Okay? So let's think about this. When Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, they had dominion over the earth. They, Satan had no authority over them. Once man sinned, he has authority and dominion over us. Okay, until you're born again, then he loses his authority over you, but he still has power. And let, let me try and explain this as we go. So Satan did not have authority over Adam and Eve, but he still had power, and his power was in deception. His power was in a lie. Okay, so let's think about this. God said to Adam and Eve, here's the truth, the one who doesn't lie says... Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die. Now, do you understand that? Is that a complicated statement? It's a simple truth. Don't eat it, or you shall surely die. It's a consequence of what you do. So the enemy comes. He doesn't have authority over Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve know the truth, but then he tell, begins to question, make them question God's truth. Maybe God's wrong. Maybe God's lying to you. You see, there's no way they could have took a bite of that fruit if they truly believed what God said. And, and you see, and this is where we need to quit entertaining thoughts of the enemy. This is where, and we're going to talk about taking every thought captive. You see, when the first time uh, Satan told Eve to bite, that she needed to bite the thing, and she said, no, no, no. God did say that if we eat, we shall surely die. God did say that. 
You see, she should have stopped them there and said, no, I don't want to hear it no more. I'm not going to entertain these false accusations you're making. You see, you've got to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So when uh, thoughts come in our mind that are not of God, we have to stop it there. Because if you continue to entertain it, you'll begin to believe the lie. Now, so he keeps on and he tells her, Oh, surely you won't die, you will be more like God. So the lie is, if you eat, you'll be more like God. The truth is, if you eat, you will die. But for some reason, they decided to believe the enemy instead of believing God. You see where the power is? The, his, Satan's power over you right now is when you believe the lie. He has power over you. The second you don't believe the lie, his power is gone. Think about that. A liar has power and control over you as long as you're willing to believe the lie. The second you don't believe the lie, their power is gone. Is that starting to make sense? Okay, so Adam and Eve sinned, so they lost, again, authority, spiritual authority on earth. Their authority was given. That's why it says that we battle against authorities and powers in these things. But once you're born again, that you, you belong to God again now. That Satan has no authority over you, but the problem is he still has power over you to make you think and believe in lies. But why do we believe in lies? Because of his power. As long as you believe his lie, you're, you're keeping him empowered in your life. So we need to quit believing the lie. No matter how good we, we think it sounds, no matter how much we reason it to things, we need to know what the Word of God says. And that is final. See, Satan's power comes, when you, uh, power comes in your life is when you be start believing the lie of the enemy. That's when he has power over you. So let, let's go to the next verse of Scripture here. <coughs> Excuse me. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Notice what it says here. For though we live in the world, he's basically kind of mirroring what, what's being said in Ephesians 6. For, for we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have what kind of power? Divine power. That's, that's why in verse 10 in Ephesians 6 it says, Be strong in the Lord uh, and in His mighty power. Because the weapons we are to fight with are, are, have divine power. And it says, To do what? Demolish, circle that word demolish. To demolish, and that word means to destroy, to com completely destroy. And, th and this is what I need you to understand. It, we need to demolish those strongholds, which is the word we're talking about today, and what we're basically talking about is strongholds today. Uh, but it has the power to completely destroy it, not to leave any residue. Not, you know what, if you want to kill a plant, you need to uproot it. You have to take the roots out. Because some plants you just, you, you might think you kill it, you cut it down, but guess what? It comes right back up. 
So it says that God's thing, it's not to make it disappear, that God's divine power has the power to demolish it, to uproot it, that it never springs forth again. And then it says strongholds, okay? Divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, notice uh, as we continue here, he's talking about strongholds, and we'll mention what strongholds is in a, in a couple of minutes. He says we demolish, circle demolish again, Arguments. Now, these are these are what strongholds are. Arguments, and every pretension. And I left you a little space right there, because uh, I want you to understand. Uh, and this helps me uh, for things. Pretension is where we get our word pretend. So you could you could just write in there. I left you that space. Pretend. Right. What is a lie? It's something pretending to be the truth. Right. It's pretending to be the truth, although it's not. So he says that uh, we demolish every argument and everything that pretends to be the truth, that sets it, notice what it says, sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Back to the garden. God said it would kill, God said, don't eat it or you shall surely die. And Satan says, I'm coming against the knowledge of God and I'm, and I'm telling you it won't kill you. It's actually going to make you more like God. You see, that Eve needed to demolish that idea that it wouldn't come back. But she didn't. See, that became a stronghold in their life. They, be, they believed the lie instead of the truth. So uh, let me go back to verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that uh, sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we do what? Take captive, how many thoughts? Every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So I, I refuse to, let, to dwell on the lie because if I dwell on the lie and I let it go, if I don't take it captive, I'm going to end up believing the lie. And then, by believing the lie, I'm giving Satan power in my life. The only time he has power is when we believe the lie. So, what is a stronghold? A stronghold, again, if you look up uh, the original meaning of it, it talks about it being a castle, a fortress, like a fort. And when you think of a castle... You know, it's fortified walls, a moat around it, where it's, it's built to protect what's inside from an attack from the outside. Right? A fort is, is built to protect the, uh, the army inside the fort from an attack from the outside. So Satan comes in and he, he builds a fortress, a, a stronghold in your mind with a lie that you're believing it, and you, you can't get through, you can't... You can't uh, attack that lie. But how many of you know the Bible says that when we call on the Lord, He comes in like a flood and the gates of hell cannot hold Him back. You see that fortress, that stronghold He's talking about? God's, God's Spirit could bust right through that thing and reveal it to you. The, what the truth is. So, a uh, stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception. I'm a prisoner trapped in the lie. I'm believing the lie. And I, I am a prisoner for that. And I'm going to explain this a little, a little uh, better here. Uh, also, it's living a lie by something that is not true. We go through life believing something that is not true. Now, 
The best way I could explain a stronghold is, those of you that are older remember in the cartoons and actually when they used to have those traveling circuses, and you'd see a giant elephant. And the only thing that was holding that elephant was a, a stake in the ground with a small rope or chain around one ankle. Reality is, using one-fourth of the elephant's strength, he could pull that up and be free. But you know why he didn't? Because he had a stronghold in his mind. Because when he's young, when he's a small elephant, they tie him up with a chain and a stake that is stronger than he's able to do. So he may pull all he wants in the beginning. He cannot break free. But as he gets stronger in life, he would be able to get free. But the only reason he's not free is because mentally he still thinks he can't. Think about that. That elephant could easily be free. But it's living a life by the lie that it can't. Because they train him to think he can't. And that's what the enemy does. He, he has strongholds in your life. You believe things and you live your life by things that are absolutely false. It's fortified in your mind. So let's go on. Second <coughs> Corinthians 4.4. 4. Again, where I said it's spiritual. When Adam and Eve sinned, man lost his dominion uh, over earth and Satan became, became, had authority over man. And this is why we, we see this now. Where it says, the God of this age, Satan, has done what? Blinded, that you can't see. And I'm not talking physical eyesight. Blinded the minds of unbelievers. Because he has authority. That they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of God who is in the image of God. Think about this. Now, it, that's why when you're born and you're, you're lost, you don't know about God. And how many of you, when, it, when you, if you, somebody would have spoke to you, what I'm telling you today, a long time ago, or as, as you came up in life, things that you used to thought were foolish, all those holy rollers, all those great... Is because you were blind to the truth. You were, you were, as a lost person, you were living a lie on this earth. Not seeing the truth. Not believing the truth. That, that's why until you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ where God has authority back over your life and then you have to begin to break those strongholds, allow God to break those strongholds in your life, you're living a life less than God wants you to. Notice this next scripture, John, First uh, John three eight, second half. It says, "But the the reason the Son of God appeared was to do what? Destroy the works of the devil. So everything he done, Jesus showed up to destroy his works. Now John ten ten, very famous, uh, uh, famous or uh, popular scripture says this." Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And how he does that? With strongholds in our life. That we believe falsehoods. That we live falsehoods. That, that we, we think this is the way it's always been. This is the way it's always going to be. My life can never improve. Can I tell you something? God wants you to have an abundant life. 
God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be successful. God wants nothing but the best for you. And, and he, it te- Jesus tells us here, again, if you have trouble with this, then you're, you're, you're not believing the truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. And this is what he tells us right here. He says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he says, but I have come that you may have life, being saved. Okay, but he says, and that's not it. That's not the, I didn't come just so you could be saved, but I've come that you can have life to the full. Now, I'm not talking material possessions, okay? But I'm talking about what God has for your life. And we, we can see that in the fruit of the Spirit. Right here in uh, Galatians 5, through 23 says this. But this fruit of the Spirit is, this is what God wants in your life. Love. God wants joy in your life. God wants peace in your life. God wants you to have patience. God wants you to have kindness in your life. God wants you to have goodness in your life. God wants faithfulness in your life. God wants gentleness and self-control in your life. He says against these things there are no law. That's what God wants in your life, but that is absent in so many believers' lives. You see, I like to say it this way, where, where it says, uh, go, go back to John 10, 10. I have come that you may have life. We settle there. And we're stuck there. But can I tell you, he says, I don't want you just to have life. I want you to have it to the full. So why are you living your life for living a lesser life than what Jesus died for? Jesus died for you to have all those things in your life. Satan with strongholds are keeping you from having those things in your life. By the power of the lie, by the power of all those things. But Jesus died for you to have that. So why are you settling for less? Why are we still going to believe the liar? See, that battle of the mind is key. And you, you may say, well, there ain't much real estate they're fighting for up there. <laughs> might be I might be pre-brained, but I'm going to get everything out of this little pee I can. Right? <laughs> So let's, let's go on here. Notice what Jesus says. And again, uh, <coughs> Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. Jesus decided to go to church. Okay, He went to the seminary. He went, went to the t- uh, temple to pray. And he takes out a scroll from Isaiah. And he says this. Now, he begins, he, it's, he intentionally read this scripture because he was getting it beginning his ministry and he's telling us again we said he came to destroy the works of the enemy he begins to tell us what he came to do god's plan for him and notice what it says and we're going to break this down he says so in isaiah it was a prophetic word about jesus coming and jesus is basically saying here i am i'm fulfilling this today today this is fulfilled he says this the spirit of the lord is on me because he has anointed me. That, that represents the presence and power of God. The, the power of God to break the strongholds on your life. To proclaim the good news to who? The poor. Circle the poor. And I want to stop there for a second. He says, I've come to proclaim the good news. What is the good news? The gospel. To the poor. Now, was he talking about people that didn't have money? No, it had nothing to do with that. You see, when Jesus spoke on the uh, Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, 
the very first thing he said was what? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be filled. In other words, he was talking, I have come to set, bring the good news to those who are lost. That's what he's basically saying. Jesus once said, speaking on salvation, with man this is impossible. In other words, man cannot save himself. He's poor in spirit. He says, but with God all things are possible. So he's come to, he's, in other words, he's, he's saying, for the spirit of the Lord has come upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. In other words, I'm telling you, I am here to bring hope to the hopeless. Because with man, it's impossible. I am here to bring help to the helpless. That's why I'm here. God has anointed me to break the works of the enemy so I can bring help and hope to your life. Then he says this. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. This is what I need you to understand. Freedom. We are trapped in strongholds, those things in our minds. He says, living a life of life, he has uh, sent me to proclaim freedom for the what? prisoners a stronghold is you're a prisoner of a lie he says i have come that you could set free the prisoners and recover the sight for the blind in other words where we read a while ago what uh the god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers i've come to recover the sight so they no longer believe the lie and they could see it's not, just, it's not just talking about physical sight. It's spiritual sight, about being born again, what Jesus came to do. He says, recovery of the sight of the blind and to set the what? Oppressed, circle that, oppressed, free. Now that word oppressed means burdened by abuse of power or authority. To set the oppressed free. To set those free who's under the power and authority of Satan. I have come so they may have life, so Satan no longer has authority on their life. But I've also come to set them free from the power of believing his lies. But we have to recognize the lie. Verse 19 and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Again, if you're born again, Satan has no authority over your life. He still has power. And the only power, but the only power he has is what we give him. The Bible says give no place to the devil. And that power is the lies that I believe. Once you grab a hold of God's truth, which is always true, and we begin to <laughs> not believe the liar, that that's all he does is lie. You, you see why is the spirit? It, it, it's much easier. More people believe the devil than they believe God. It's the spiritual battle. That's why he says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. That sets up in your mind. Because your, your mental state, what you believe affects your whole life. Satan may not have no authority in my life because I'm a born-again believer, but he can have a whole lot of power in my life because I'm, I'm living lies. I'm living in a lie. 
But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and be set free from that. You can have a life to the full. Notice what 2 Timothy 2.26 says. And, they, and that they will come to their senses and escape what? From the trap of the devil. Who has taken them what? Captive to do his will. That they, he has taken them captive to do their will. I pray that they come to their senses, that their eyes be open. You see, once you're born again, Satan has no authority over your life. Okay? So the next best thing he could hope for is to make sure your life is miserable and you don't share the abundant life with others. If you're going to heaven, he wants to make sure you're going to heaven alone. He wants to make sure you don't introduce anybody else to Christ. What happens is he, he gets you in survival mode. That, oh God, I'm just trying to survive. And guess what? When you're in survival mode, what is your prayer life about? Me. Lord, help me. And God wants to help you and wants all these things. But if He could get you in survival mode, your whole walk will be about you and not others. And again, who you, if you're walking around looking like you just ate a five-pound bag of lemons with an old sour face, you're about as miserable as miserable could get. Nobody's going to look at you and say, oh, I don't know what you got going on in your life, but can I have some of that misery? Can I have some of that woe is me? No. So that's why he says, I hope you could come to your senses and realize and be set free from the trap of the enemy. Romans 12.2 this is kind of this go-to scripture for the last whole section here. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So before I was born again, my mind was blind. I believed the lies of the enemy, right? Tell President Trump, uh, oh, President Trump. <laughs> Tell Sheriff Weber, I'll get with him later. <laughs> Amen. So, <laughs> don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, the world that has a blinded mind that cannot see the truth of God. But he tells us how to. Notice, be, trans be transformed, being changed by what? The renewing of your mind those old strongholds fortified places that satan has in your mind of that you're no good you never could do nothing else life is just going to be this way whatever it is with addictions that you can't break these addictions and all these things that you, if he could keep you trapped there but god says i will renew you, you you need to renew your mind in other words get rid of those lies and that, that, like that song, I dare you to believe me now. That's what he's telling you. I, I know you've been believing this lie your whole life, but it's from the father of all lies, but can I dare you to believe me? 
But the enemy's got that stronghold. It's a hard thing. It's protected. But again, when you call on God, he comes in like a flood and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. So by the renewing of your mind, then once your mind is renewed, notice the second half of this, this verse is talking about when your mind is renewed, not when it's not renewed. He says, then, everybody say then, Okay, I just want to make sure you're still awake. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, you'll never fulfill the purpose God created you for on this earth. You'll never live the life that God has for you on this earth. You'll never live the life of being a life of the full as long as your mind is not renewed. In other words, you'll just stay in survival mode. So how do we overcome strongholds in our life? Notice what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, 21 and 22. This is the New Living Translation. Renewing our mind. But notice, he gives us the example of a stronghold here. He says, for when a strong man who's going to have a stronghold, he's talking about Satan, for when a strong man, again, Satan has power but no authority on a believer. Now, on an unbeliever, he has authority and power, okay, until you're born again, okay? He says, for a strong man like Satan is fully armed and guards his place, palace, his possessions are safe. A stronghold is a fortified city, a castle in your mind. And he's there and he guards it because he doesn't want anyone getting in. But notice what Jesus says. And what did he come to do? Destroy the works of the enemy. God has anointed him to set the captives free, to recover the sight to the blind, to set the prisoners free, the oppressed free. He says, until... In other words, Satan has this stronghold until, everybody say until, someone even, and he's talking about himself, until he thought he was king in a castle around here, but there's a new sheriff in town. And he says, until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him and strips him of his weapons. And his, one of his weapons is his stronghold in your mind and carries off his belongings. He rescues you. See, Satan will have you for a long time, but Jesus says, the reason I've come is to set you free. God has anointed me to set you free. So the very first thing we need to do, again, renewing our mind, keeping all this in perspective here, is take back my thought life. Take back my thought life. Renew our thinking again. Important to get into God's Word to know what God's Word says about everything. Notice what it says in Romans 8, 5, and 9. Now, this is talking about lost and saved people, so a different thing. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their what? Mindset. Circle that. Their mindset. This is what they think about on what the flesh desires. 
In other words, their minds are programmed to think because the God of this world has blinded their minds to the things of God. So that lost person has their mind set. And again, I was, I was talking about uh, how important, be careful what you think. The Bible says, be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. And I always say this, you know, at night I, cannot, I may not be hungry at all. It happened last night. <laughs> Getting ready to go to bed, it was about nine, between 9 and 10, and I was, started watching uh, two guys butcher shop something. They were talking about the difference between grass-fed beef and grain-fed beef. And boy, he cut up these uh, cows, I guess, I don't know what they call them, a cow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they put all the steaks like everything they're going to show the difference, the way the grain fed and the grass fed one. But then it got serious. Then they said, we're going to cook some. And we're going to taste the difference. And boy, they season them and put them in the pit and see, oh. And it's like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, boy, I'm ready to go defrost a steak from the freezer right now. <laughs> Why? Because my mind was thinking about that. All right. You, you start watching the Food Network at night, and guess what? Before that half-hour show is empty, you're probably going to get something to eat where a half-hour before you weren't hungry. Why? Because your mind thinks on that, and what we dwell on causes our actions. So that's why he says their minds are set on, on fleshly desires. But he says those who live in accordance with the Spirit, those who have been saved, have their what? Minds set. On what the Spirit desires. What the Spirit desires for you. Love, joy, peace, hope, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when I was looking at that steak, I wasn't walking in self-control. Well, I didn't eat it, so I did. Okay, I did. So, <laughs> but I was, I was on, on the fence right there. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Now, not only, you know, physical death, but spiritual death, but a debt to your hopes, a debt to your desires, a, a debt to your dreams. Because you're focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on the lie that the enemy's telling you. He says, but the mind governed by the spirit lives, as spirit is life and what? Peace. The mind governed uh, by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor do, can it do so. And it's talking about a lost person, but if you tie in what a stronghold is, is I, I don't submit to what God says about me. That's why it says, I dare you to believe. Believe what God says about you and quit believing what your neighbor's saying. Quit believing what social media is saying. Quit believing what, what so-and-so says. Believe what God says about you. Verse 8 says, Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, You, however, is talking about say, uh, someone who's accepted the Lord as their Savior. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But again, what we're talking about here is our mindset. Do you believe God wants you to live a life that is free from all these things? 
That's your first step. If you don't think, it, whatever is going on in your life right now, if you don't think God can change it, it ain't. Because you know why? He's, why He's not going to? Because you gave power to Satan to keep you in that stronghold of mentality in your life. God says He can, but you're saying He can't. You're believing the enemy. Second thing is we need to identify the lie. Identify the lie. Take back your thought life. Think about the things that God wants you to think about. What God says about everything. Your relationships, your, your every area of your life. Second thing is identify the lie. Now, Jesus is speaking here and. This is what I want you to understand. He's speaking to Jewish people, and the Jewish people he was speaking to at the moment were ones that wanted him crucified, that did not believe he was the Son of God. But was he the Son of God? Yes. But they were blinded by the God of this world and did not believe that he was. Now, not all Jewish people denied Christ. He had some followers okay but this group and and again just how it lays down look at john 8 44 through 45 now he's talking to them because he knows they don't believe he's the son of god he knows they want to kill him you belong to your father who the devil and you want to carry out your father's desire what was the desire of satan to kill destroy jesus but jesus came to destroy his works And Jesus begins giving a description of this guy that we, uh, this, this old Lucifer that we all believe. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and, his, uh, and the father of all lies, but yet you're still believing him. And not believing me. That's basically what it tells you. Next verse says, Yet I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. Yet I tell you the truth, but you don't believe me. In other words, he's telling them, Satan has put up a stronghold in your mind that you cannot see the truth. Lastly, the third thing is I need to replace the lie with God's truth. Replace the lie with God's truth. Now, I'm basically going to begin reading what we started this uh, message off with, but I'm going to read the message uh, paraphrase of it. It says this, and I like this, because we were about to wrap it up, and it says this, and that about wraps it up. That's a good end. That's a good script. And that about wraps it up. He says, but God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has uh, set out for you, well-made weapons. And those of you that know uh, the regular verse, versions, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, what it talks about, the armor of God. He says, uh, well-made weapons of the best materials and put them to what? use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way and he warns you he says this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple hours he says this is for keeps 
a life or death fight to finish against uh, to finish against the devil and all his angels. He says, "Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own." That's why it said to be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. It says, "Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God issued you, so that." When it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. So he says, and this is where it starts naming the, the, uh, the uh, weapons that God gave us. The truth. I dare you to believe me now. The truth. The word of God. The breastplate of righteousness. The shoes of feet. The uh, shield of faith. And the, hel- uh, uh, the helmet of salvation are more than just words. Do you notice... The helmet of salvation. What the helmet protects you from? Your mind. Do you, and if, if you notice and you study this, most, most of the weapons are defensive weapons. The sword of the Spirit is, is your offensive weapon, but everything else is designed to stop what? The attack from the enemy. But some of us are out there, we believe in every lie he has. It's like walking on the battlefield with nothing in your hand. No, no shield, no helmet, without all, any of your armor. Verse, eight, uh, let me, verse 14, let's go back there. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. And notice what it says. They are God's word is an indispensable weapon. You see, the only way I could expose the lie is with the truth of God. The only way I can empower the word of God in me is to not believe the lie. See, that's where we give him Satan powers when we believe his lie. That's the only time he has power over you. He says, uh, Verse 18, in the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. It, essential it does not mean optional. Essential means you have to or you'll lose. Prayer is essential. It says pray hard and, pray and long. Pray for, now notice this, your brothers and sisters. Notice he's saying, we need to all pray for each other. You know, if you're in survival mode, it's just about you. You're always praying for you. But they need you to pray for them, and you need to pray them to pray for you. It says, keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls or drops out. And I have one more scripture to add for this. And that's in Ephesians chapter 20, 3, verse 20. And this is what I want you to understand. I want you to write this down on the bottom of your, your page. I shared it on Facebook the other day. But I want you to write down, pray first, pray hard. Let me, I'll stop and give you time. Pray first, pray hard, pray big, and pray often. Pray first. Don't wait for a situation to arise. But if a situation arises, turn to God first. But, you know, sometimes the only time people pray is when they're in crisis. 
So God says, well, the only way I can talk to you is you have to have crisis. Or I won't hear from you. So pray first in every situation. Pray hard. What I'm talking about there is not this, now I lay me down to sleep, rub-a-dub-dub, thank you for the grub. That's it. Pray like your life depends on it, because it does. Your prayer is essential. Pray big. Don't pray, God, just let me squeak by. Pray for total deliverance. Pray for total change. And pray often, every day. And why do... Let's look at those four things, and let's look, read Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse 20. And this is if, if this is not one of your... Uh, favorite scriptures it needs to be it says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more in other words you can't even measure how much more than all we ask that's why we have to pray big we're praying for something and god's saying you know what i could do so much more than that why settle why settle for life when he says you can have life to the full? Pray for total deliverance. He says, now to him who is able, able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And I don't know if I put verse 21, but I'm going to read it. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. You see, it didn't end when you closed the book. It's for you now. God still wants to work in your life. You see, the enemy, he got a good game plan. But it's never changed. Do you realize that? He's attacked, the same attack in the garden is the same way he attacks you. He wants a stronghold in your, in your mind. Again, if you're a born-again believer, he has no authority in your life. And the only power he has is the power of getting you to believe a lie. And the second you don't believe the lie anymore, he loses all power over you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer this morning. Let, just lift up your hand if you're going through something right now. Every hand should be lifted. We're always going through something. Amen. Father, I just pray for each and every one right now in the sound of my voice, Father. Father, I just pray for each and every one of them, Father God, and myself, that every stronghold be broken in our minds, Father God. That the grip of the enemy, the power of the enemy be broken off our minds right now, Father God. And that we have life to the full. That we live a life, Father God, that Jesus died for. We live a life worth what Jesus died for each and every one of us. That we don't settle for the God. We don't settle for survival mode. But Father, that we want to walk in the fullness of your love, the fullness of your mercy for the God and sharing the gospel with others. And if there's anyone who, in the sound of my voice who's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit that know they need help that though they need a Savior. And I want you just to simply say this prayer with me from your heart this morning. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit
that I am in need of a Savior. I believe that you love me so much that you sent your Son to die on the cross to save me, to rescue me, to help me, to give me hope. I invite Christ to come into my heart. I accept the gift of salvation right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Can I dare you to believe him this week? Amen. We love you. Y'all have a blessed day. Live a life to the full today. Amen. Just what Jesus wanted for you.